So, hey everybody, and welcome, welcome. Today, um, Ty and I are going to be talking about the myths, the facts, and the lies in the social impact industry. So welcome to the Change Agents Podcast with your host, Tracy V. Allen, social enterprise and small business funding strategist and the owner of TBA Consulting Group. The Change Agents Podcast is about empowering change agents, social entrepreneurs, social enterprises, and nonprofits with the knowledge, skills, strategies, and concepts needed to design, build, and fund their social ventures. So I am the owner of TDA Consulting. Um, I help social entrepreneurs, whether you're a nonprofit, social enterprise, or even for-profit businesses, um, to develop systems and processes that allow them to build, to design, build, and fund their dreams, right? So you're maximizing your revenue and also maximize their impact in the social sector in their community. Ty? I'm Typhoon. I am owner of Typhoon Enterprises. I am a nonprofit success strategist and a development um, strategist. I work mostly with nonprofit organizations, helping them to get together out here in these streets to move from startup and struggle to sustainability and success, and hopefully without the traditional headache and hassle. But you know, a lot of that headache and hassle crazy comes from the lies. <laughs> right. And that's why we decided to do this one today because Ty and I have been really doing, um, trying to prepare for people for building their programs. So we've been doing a lot of talking about the logic model, but more and more over the last few weeks, we've been hearing some really outlandish things about the social enterprise sector or the social impact sector. And we just really wanna address it because some of this stuff is hashtag clank clank. It will get you in jail. Like, honestly, there's so many misconceptions out here that are jail-worthy misconceptions if you participate in them, right? Yeah, I mean, and not knowing is not an excuse. Nobody cares that you don't know. Right. right. A lot of times we know things and things just don't make sense a lot of times, but we'll still do them because we're thinking that's an easy way out. And I just want to give y'all, it just... Stop trying to take the easy way out, right? Um, some of these things just don't add up. One thing that was recently brought to me, Tracy, was um, you know, for nonprofits, it brought to me about uh, board and about making bylaws ironclad, you know, <laughs> um, to, to, to ensure that that ED or the founder, because a lot of us are founding are founders of nonprofit organizations, and we also elect ourselves. We're gonna talk about that. Yeah. So if you work there, you can you can definitely be fired. 
from that job. Right. I tell people all the time, you will forever be the founder of that organization. No one can ever take that away from you. You did the paperwork, you started it, you identified the mission, but it is not yours. You don't have um, domain over it. It doesn't belong to you. Like Ty said, it's for the people, by the people. So no, there is no such thing as an ironclad bylaw. You cannot write yourself into the bylaw and say, I can never be replaced as the ED. I can never be fired from this organization. It just doesn't work that way. And that's one of the things that we tell people to think about when you're going to start a nonprofit organization. If you have control issues, like a lot of us do, right? <laughs> if you have those control issues and you want to own it, you want to be able to have autonomy over making decisions within the organization, how you help people, when you help them, you know, all of that stuff. A nonprofit really is not the way for you to go. That's why we have social enterprises, right? And even in a social enterprise, if you have investors, right? Because people can invest in your organization, in your um, social enterprise to help you build it up. Then they own a portion of your social enterprise. Now, when you have that situation, you're going to have to have bylaws as well, because now you have a board of investors, right? And just like a corporation. And in that bylaw as well, you cannot write yourself that you're irreplaceable unless you own 51% or more of the company. So when you're looking for investors, you have to make sure that you are not selling off more of the company than you actually want to, because then you will not be the sole owner of the company. You will not have that final decision-making power within um, that social enterprise. And you know, Tracy, you know why we get in these situations is because we all we want other people's money. Okay? Right. We don't. Um, it's, it's kind of for me, especially for the people who come to me who are asking these kind of questions. That's kind of what it boils down to. They go, "Oh, I want to start a nonprofit because I want a grant. I want to start a. I want to start a social enterprise because I know people can donate or people can invest in what I'm doing." But and I'm, maybe I'll have to do less work to, to diversify my revenue and I can get other people to give to me and build this thing up. But when you're doing that, you're taking your organization or your business public, at least in pieces. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, the public has a right to tell you how to spend that money. Exactly. And um, on that same level, one of the things that I find a lot is people say, oh, I want to start a, a nonprofit because my business isn't making money. Starting a nonprofit is not a way to fix the lack of funding in your for-profit business. If your for-profit business isn't making money, how do you think you're going to sustain a nonprofit organization? It takes more money to run a nonprofit than it does a for-profit. If your for-profit isn't, isn't making money, then you need to find a um, consultant that can help you to do some business development so that you can start making money. Not starting a nonprofit organization, that is not the answer. That is a recipe for going into an eight by eight cell. <laughs> Whether it's a nonprofit or for profit, it's a business, right? Exactly. With business, you have to put in systems, you have to be able to operate both like a business. And if your for profit is not doing anything, what gives you the extra energy? to start a nonprofit business where you're going to have to do twice the work. Right. And what, now that you say that, one of the other things that I really want to address is that nonprofits are businesses, right? They're businesses. The first thing that you do when you go to start a nonprofit is that you organize on the state level as 
a business, a nonprofit, because we really get confused the difference between nonprofits and 501c3 tax exempt organizations. So the first thing that you do is formulate a nonprofit, which is a business entity. You never have to become a 501c3. Never ever, right? <laughs> That's a choice. That's the thing. People are like, oh, I, I need to get federal funding. I need to become a 501c3. First of all, if they're doing it all backwards, right? And I'm just not here to bust everybody today, but you don't have to become a 501c3 to be a nonprofit organization because that's a business structure that exactly. But I keep saying, Ty, not to cut you off, but I keep saying we are just as responsible for the confusion, right? Because we call it nonprofits. Everything is a nonprofit. But really and truly, there's a difference between a nonprofit and a tax exempt organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I talk about the fact that, and there's several different categories. Right, 27. <laughs> yeah, 27. There's 501. C one all the way to five and there's an alphabet. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. twenty seven and then there's a D and E. Mm -hmm. Right? And nobody talks about those. Everybody's like, oh, the NFL was number not even know what kind of nonprofit it was, right? Not even know they're going back into these situations where they're thinking I have a five oh one C three status if I'm going to get grants. It's crazy. Even in social enterprise, people are going, I need to get a 501c3 status so I can get breaks. They forget about things like business profit. They forget about the fact that they can have a social cost embedded into their business and fundraise. They forget about all that. They right. Because I write grants every month for for-profit businesses. There are grants out there for everybody. Nonprofits are not the only companies that can get grants. And let's talk about grants. So everybody thinks that grants are free money, and as long as you start a nonprofit, grants are going to rain down from the sky. And that's not true. That is just not how it works. Grantors are giving you money because they want to see a return on their investment. So if you don't have a proven track record of <clears throat> managing money, and not only just managing money, but actually showing impact within the community based on your mission, Grantors are not going to want to give you the grant. And if you luck out and you do get the grant your first go round and you are not good at um, grant management, that is also going to be a huge problem for you. And Ty, you can talk more to that. And, and I like that you said if you're not showing impact and service within your community, people are just coming and saying, I want a grant. Like, this is the student financial aid. You know, I have hardship, so can you give me a grant? This is not how this works, you know, for businesses. And I tell people, there's no such thing as a funding fairy. Money mm -hmm. is not coming from the sky just because you are a nonprofit organization. The funding fairy got a net cost back in 1985. I always say that because back then it was a lot easier to get grants. Now you have their mama, your mama, everybody's trying to get grants. And you have the 1023 easy that's making it easier for people to get their nonprofit status. Um, people are just kind of racing to get these monies, right? And not thinking about the fact that you have to have work done within your community. You have to be able to work towards your mission and produce results to even order to be or to be competitive enough to get the funds. Right. Um, yeah, it's very competitive out here when you're going after grants. And um you just really have to make sure that you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's and that you because you're talking about mismanagement of funds. And we all know when you mismanage funds, that will get you locked up. Right. 
because that's what's happening a lot. And I mean, we're not trying to be funny. It's just things that we're consistently seeing that we really want to address and make you mindful of so that you don't fall into these traps. People are going, let's take what's going on with the PPP and EIDL right now. A lot of people got monies that they should not have gotten because somebody doctored up their application and turned it in. And because they were trying, they were trying to get the monies out so quickly, they didn't really take a deep look at some of these applications. But now that they're going back and they're doing the audits, and that's what happens when you get grant monies, they do audit you. And when they go back and they look at your books and they realize that things don't line up, then somebody's going to have to pay that money back. And you know, sometimes it's going to be you. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're both got this PPP, you know, even the, you know, the SBA loans and are saying that they didn't know that they were loans. Right. right. Oh, loans. yes. Oh, yes. Yes. You signed the promissory. You got $53,000 and, and you signed for it and you didn't know that it was long. What is that about? Yeah. You know, it's like that could be you have to, and nobody cares if you didn't know. That's the thing, you know. You're going back and you say, oh, I didn't know. You signed it. You signed it. When you're getting a grant, you're going to sign the award to accept the award. When you get a loan, you're going to sign the promissory note to say that you reached the terms, right? So before you even do that, you want to understand what it is that you're doing. You want to understand uh, tracing management, grant management, reporting. All those things are required for grants, whether that's for-profit, non-profit, whether you're doing SBA or PPP or whatever, you're going to have to report on how you spent this money. And if last year, I posted on my Facebook the other day um, that, yeah, you know, there's some people out here who, you know, told SBA that they had three employees, right, so they can get the $3,000 grant or whatever SBA was given. But now it's tax time, and they're saying they didn't have any employees or, or they can't find the employees, whatever, because it was so easy to get. But you have to be careful about desperation. You know, and people will set you up when you're desperate. And I don't, I don't really think it's, you know, the, the, I don't really think it's your fault. Like, the, if you're, you're, you're a business owner and you're brand new and you really don't understand, or you just started a nonprofit and you really don't understand, I think the information that are, that's out here in these streets, Tracy, that information is so confusing and it's so backwards that people who do not understand and who really, really need money or who really really need to be in control of something the first thing that they hear that sounds good that's what they're going to go for and it's and i think it's just really really sad though because sometimes you have consultants who will prey on that fact and, and have people out here just doing things that they know is not the right thing to do right and that's the sad part about it because if you take um advice from a consultant who's giving you wrong advice one the stuff hits the fan it's not going to be you, um, that consultant that's going to be in problems. It's going to be you. So make sure that you're vetting your consultants and you're getting the right information from the right person. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is, right? And I see a lot of people out here spinning webs of fantasy and people are just flocking to it because the person is saying exactly what you want to hear and you're not taking the time to be discerning and really looking at it with a um, an objective lens to see, well, wait, is this really possible? So if this is true, why isn't everyone doing it? Those are the types of questions that you need to ask yourself. If it's so easy, if you can start a nonprofit, like I get a lot of people who call me and they want a grant to buy a building. Now, if there were grants out there just all over the place to buy buildings, 
none of us would be, look, there would be no homeless people, right? We'd all own something. So obviously that's a myth, right? So just stop and think. When you hear people saying things, stop and think really objectively as to whether or not it can be that easy. Because if it's that easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be doing it. And that's, the, I mean, I think that's the thing. So even these little questions that we get about, you know, can I, can I make my bylaws ironclad? Yeah, you can write it on paper, but it's not going to hold up the court. No. The thing, everybody would own their nonprofit, which they can't, right? If, if money was that easy to come by, everybody would have a million dollar grant. Everybody would be working in their organizations. Nobody would be hungry. Nobody would be homeless because everything would be taken care of so easily. Right. And another thing I wanted to address, and I see someone have the, has their hand up. We'll, I'm going to come to you in a little bit. But another thing that I really want to address is the fact that um, we hear a lot from founders of nonprofit organizations or businesses, social enterprises as well. Um, I'm using all of my money. I'm taking all of my savings. I'm tapped out. You're tapped out because you really want to be tapped out. Because there's no reason for you to be tapped out. You know why you're tapped out? Is because you did not take the time to actually plan your business out. Most of these nonprofits that you compare yourself to and you're like, but such and such nonprofit is making so much money. Those people actually started their nonprofit before they, um, they put pen to paper to formally put their nonprofit together. They went out, sought out the right consultants, started networking, got promissory um, donations and sponsorships for their nonprofit before they actually put the nonprofit together. They networked and built an in, uh, uh, infrastructure and uh, exoskeleton to make sure that they were going to be able to start the nonprofit with the monies that they needed to sustain it and help the community. Most of you are out here, you just wake up one day and you decide that you want to start a social enterprise. You want to start a nonprofit with no time taken to really build a structure. Anytime you have a weak foundation and you start putting blocks on top of that um, foundation, your house will crumble. You may make money for a bit, but eventually it's going to fall apart. That's just what it is. It's not a race to the finish line. It's a slow walk to the finish line. It takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And that's one of the things I really want people to understand. It takes you 20 years to become an overnight success. Mm -hmm. I talk about an organization I met a couple years ago. They were a multi-million dollar organization before they got to me, right? Before they got to me, they didn't get their first grant until after they got with me, but they were already a multi-million dollar organization. And it's because of the things that you're talking about right now, Tracy. They were doing things well before they even thought about getting from me. And mm -hmm. they didn't even want a grant. They were like, you know, it's probably time for us to get one, but we don't want to deal with that. We don't want to deal with the we, we don't want to deal with, with this. But they were awesome at fundraising. Their board was awesome. They had products and services that they sold. They had a structure. They had a strategic plan that they followed to the penny. Right, because nonprofits is all about planning, right? We like to say it's the plan that makes the plan that makes the next plan that makes the next plan. It's a lot of planning. You're always writing and revising plans in a nonprofit organization. Always. 
the thing about it is when they came for me for grants, it mm-hmm. was because the strategic plan told them that that's the year they would start looking for grant money. They that too. And you know, I'm big on strategic planning. Like, you need a strategic plan in place to be effective. You do. It's your roadmap. It's your step-by-step guide of how you're going to get to your three-year or your five-year goal. So, yeah. Um, there was one more thing. Oh, board training. You talked about the board was effective at fundraising. A lot of people complain about their boards because their boards are lazy. You put them in there. You put them there. You have one time as a nonprofit organization, um, as the founder of a nonprofit organization, you have one, one single time to choose your board. And that's when you found the organization. So if you're bored as lazy, it's because you chose them. Mm-hmm. Those are people that you decided you wanted to sit on your board. And you probably chose them because they were yes people. And you wanted them to say yes to everything that you brought to them. And you did not decide to get them the training that they needed so that they could be effective stewards of the organization. Exactly. Yep. That's all I got. That's all you got? Okay. So um, Jay had <laughs> Jay had a question. Okay, Change Agents. Thank you for joining me today. And remember, there's someone in your community that is waiting for the programs and services that you provide. And it is your responsibility to make sure you get it right. Until next time, have a great day.